0: welcome to the mainstream paranormal podcast i'm Merle. i'm larry <laughs> and we are back with, with part two of our demon possession episode as we told you in the last episode we had to split this up just because of the length of the episode yeah and lengthy yes very lengthy Sorry, I moved my chair a little bit.
1: There we go. Oh, so part two. Yes. Now, this one hits home. Well, when I say hits home, it... You'll you'll understand what I mean. You'll understand. (laughs) Kind of a pun at the same time. I'm sorry, guys. Um... Alright, last episode we were talking about was possession and the different types. And this part two, we're going to talk about people that are documented with possession. Right. Um, and we're going to link some other things with it as well. But the first one we're going to talk about is Annalise Michael. Um she was a German woman in 1952 is when she was born and she died in 1976 uh, she was only 23 years of age um, she uh, was raised in a Catholic church and she started going through some weird changes um she uh, had seizures uh, and that was when she was 16 she was diagnosed with uh, a temporal lobe epilepsy Um, shortly after that she was diagnosed with depression and by the time she was 20 she had become intolerant in various religious objects and began to hear voices Now, keep in mind, back in that time, that was the normal way to diagnose hearing voices and everything else, was, you're crazy. Yeah. They didn't think it. Now, unless you're a very devout Catholic, which a lot of German people are, and a lot of Eastern... um, Eastern Europe. Yeah, Eastern Europe. It depends either they could sway it as being possessed or it could be mental um but she actually started showing signs of possession and they actually had to have a priest come out look her over diagnose whether she was or not um she actually had to have uh the uh, Catholic Church in her area um, request for uh, priests to come in to look at it and everything else. Um, the the two priests that were actually com- uh, connected with her case actually spent six months in jail. Um. because they were charged with negligent homicide. And they... On her uh, uh, death certificate, it's listed as malnutrition. But that wasn't the case. Right. Go ahead.
0: They said she died because she stopped eating food. Yeah. And, But, uh... I mean, she was... She was born... Anna Elizabeth Michael in September 1952 in Bavaria West Germany to Roman Catholic family Uh, she was brought up along with three sisters by her parents Joseph and Anna she was religious and went to mass twice a week Um, when she was 16 that's when she started suffering from the convulsions and she was diagnosed with the mm-hmm. epilepsy. Uh she graduated uh and joined the University of Wurzburg. Yeah, thank you. Your German is a heck of a lot better than mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um her classmates later later described her as withdrawn and very religious. Yeah. So in nineteen seventy, uh she suffered her third seizure while she was at a psychiatric hospital. Yep. Um, where she'd been staying, and she was prescribed anti-convulsion drugs for the first time. Um. Can you even pronounce that one? Dilatin? Okay. Yeah, I could spell, I can pronounce that. (laughs) Um but it, it didn't seem to alleviate the problem. Uh-uh. Um, she began to describe seeing devil faces at various times of the day. Um, she was prescribed another drug, Olept, which is similar to chlor... chloropromycin.
1: Yeah,
0: That one I couldn't pronounce. <laughs> My wife, she could pronounce all these <laughs> And is used to the treat in the treatment of various psychosis, including schizophrenia. Um, in seventy three, she suffered from depression, and began hallucinating while praying, and complained about hearing voices telling her that she would be damned and would rot in hell. That's crazy. The um, treatment in the psychiatric hospital did not improve her health, and her depression worsened long-term treatment didn't help either she grew increasingly frustrated with the medical intervention taking psychological or pharmac- pharmacological drugs for five years she became intolerant well, also when she became intolerant <laughs> of uh, sacred places and objects such as crucifixes
1: uh, she went to san domino with a family friend who regularly organized Christian pilgrimages. Her escort concluded that she was suffering from demonic possession because she was unable to walk past a crucifix and refused to drink the water of a Christian Holy Spring. And it says here, Annalise told me, and Frau Hein confirmed this, that she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation, then said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand it. Then she walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden, and it seemed to her that while praying, They were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden, then had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to divert her glance from the picture of Christ in the chapel. She made it several times to the garden, but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. And that came from Father Alt. I see Michael and her
0: family, as well as her community, became convinced and consulted several priests asking for an exorcism. The priest declined, recommended the continuation of medical treatment, and informed the family that exorcisms required the bishop's permission. In the Catholic Church, official approval for an exorcism is given when the person strictly meets the set criteria, and then they are considered to be suffering from possession and under demonic control. Intense dislike for religious objects and supernatural powers are some of the first indications. Michael worsened physically and dis- displayed aggression, self injury, Drank her own urine and ate insects.
1: See, so that goes back to what I was saying earlier.
0: Yeah, on the last episode. Yep. yep. In November of 73, Michael stated her treatment with Tegretol, an anti-seizure drug and mood stabilizers. She was prescribed antipsychotic drugs during the course of the religious rites and took them frequently until some time before her death despite taking these medications her symptoms worsened and she began to manifest growling seeing demons throwing things
1: alright the next part we're going to talk about is the exorcism of uh, Annalise the priest Ernest Alt whom they met on seeing her declared that she did not look like an epileptic and that he did not see her having any seizures. Alt believed she was suffering from demonic possession and urged the local bishop to allow an exorcism. In a letter to Alt in nineteen seventy five, uh, Michael wrote, I am nothing. Everything about me is vain vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. And also once told him, I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. In September of the same year, Bishop Joseph Stangling granted the priest Arnold Reitz permission to exercise according to the uh, Ritual Roman of 1614, but ordered total secrecy. Reince performed the first session on 24 September. Michael began talking increasingly about dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apostle the Uh apostate priest of the modern church and she refused to eat towards the end. At this point her parents stopped consulting doctors. On her request and relied solely on sullenly on the exorcism rites. Sixty-seven exorcism sessions, one or two each week lasting up to four hours were performed over about ten months in 1975 to 1976. Man. Yeah. It's... Um... Uh, On July 1st, 1976, she died in her home. The autopsy report stated the cause was uh, malnutrition and dehydration to the being semi-starvation state for almost a year while the rites of the exorcism were performed. She weighed 68 pounds, suffering broken knees to continuous genuflexions. In other words, she would fall on her knees. Um with her own body weight. Right. She was able to move without assistance and was reported to have contracted pneumonia.
0: Man. Uh, After an investigation, the state prosecutor maintained that Michael's death could have been prevented even one week before she died. The state charged Michael's parents and the priest all and... friends with negligent homicide like you said before yep. um during the case michael's body was exhumed and tapes were played to the court of exorcisms over the 11 months which led to her death
1: i don't understand why they exhumed her body that makes no sense
0: no the parents uh were defended by the lawyers uh were defended by lawyers that were sponsored by the church and the state recommended that no involved parties be jailed. Instead they recommended sentences for the priest was a fine while the prosecution concluded that the parents should be exempt from punishment as they had suffered enough, which is a criterion in German penal law. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, said the trial started on March 30th, 1978. Uh, district court um, grew intense interest before the court. Doctors testified that Michael was not possessed, stating that this was a psychological effect because of her strict religious upbringing and her epilepsy. But the doctor Richard Roth, who was asked for medical help by. Ault, allegedly told her during the exorcism that there is no injection against the devil. Anneliese Schmidt lecture said that the exorcism was legal and that the German constitution protected citizens in the unrestricted exercise of their religious beliefs. The defense played tapes recorded at the exorcism sessions, sometimes featuring what claimed to be Demons arguing to assert their claim that Michael was possessed. Both priests said the demons identified themselves as Lucifer, Cain, Judas of Iscariot I'm not gonna answer that one. Yeah. Um, and Legion and Nero, among others. Um, they further said that there was finally f- freed because of the exorcism just before her death. Um, the bishop said that he was not aware of her acclaiming health condition when he approved of the exorcism and did not testify. The accused were found guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence and were sen- sentenced to six months in jail, which was later suspended, and three years of probation. It was a fair lighter sentence than anticipated, but it was also more than requested by the pro- uh prosecution, who had asked the priests only to be fined and the parents be found guilty not to be punished. The church approving such an old-fashioned exorcism right drew public and media attention. According to John M. Duffy, the case was a misidentification of mental illness. Alright. What we're fixing to do is we actually found a copy of the um, exorcism tape. Yes. Um and it's only it's only audio. Now what we're fixing to do is we're gonna play that. Um we are gonna um we're gonna ask for oh
0: uh, disclaimer. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how what we should say how we should say it um
1: if if you don't feel like you want to listen to it don't um
0: you you can skip through yeah I'm trying ten, to uh ten minutes maybe um but listen to it at your own um transgression um
1: yeah it's only say four minutes okay um so, so yeah, four, if,
0: four and a half minutes after we start playing it.
1: Yeah, say about four, four and a half okay, minutes. Okay. Are you
0: are you gonna play both the before?
1: Yeah, both of them are gonna play. It's okay. about four minutes. Okay. Um, and the way this is set up is you're gonna hear Anne Lisa's real voice, and then it's gonna go into the demonic voices from these tapes. Um, again, listen to it at your own discretion. If you feel uneasy at any point in time, all you have to do is stop or pause, skip ahead, and um, restart, you know, from four minutes, four and a half minutes. Right. Um, depending on where you're at on what we're fixing to do. Um, and.
0: I mean, some, some of these are a little uneasy. to.
1: Yeah, it's, un, it's a little unnerving it really is so with that being said I'm fixing to start this this tape okay again this is not trickery this is a recording of those tapes of Annalise and the demonic voices and you can find this on YouTube if you if you search for it alright here I go it's buffering
0: Is it still buffering? No, it's fixing fixing so so so
1: Okay, that was her real voice. Um, you can tell she was happy and conversing, you know, at the time. Now. I'm fixing to play the other part.
0: man this thing still gives me like the hair stand (coughs) up on the back of my neck every time I hear that
1: yeah it's it's a and settling and those were the that's copy of the actual tape yeah that they um recorded um the last one is supposed to be the voice of Lucifer um one of them was Jews of Iscariot one of them was uh supposed to be Nero um one of them was supposed to be Cain and the very first one which I don't know or not they say was the voice of Hitler so I don't know Um, I still don't understand why they exhumed her body
0: right they said when they did that the, the accused exorcist, the the priests, yeah. were um, discouraged from seeing the remains. They said they even prevented him from entering the mortuary. Uh, her after they exhumed her, uh, they her remains were placed in a new oak oak coffin lined with tin
1: there's a reason for that
0: um they said the body bore the signs of consistent deterioration um and they said that her grave became uh and still is a a pilgrimage site so people go visit her grave and they also said that um after this uh, sanctions exorcisms mm-hmm. um, they were decre- like they decreased in right and in spite of Pope Benedict what is that the uh, 16th yeah uh, support of wider use uh, compared to Paul, uh, Pope John Baha'u II who in 1999 made the rules even stricter and using only rare cases.
1: Yeah. So think about that. Yeah.
0: Sounds like I'm having issues, same as we did in the last episode. Yeah, the episode. crackling. The crackling.
1: Yeah. Hold on a second, guys. All right, we're back.
0: Yeah, it. That crackling is getting, getting <laughs> to me. I'm not sure if it's coming across on the the recording or not. I don't either. Um. And what's interesting in, um, on June 6th, 2013, a fire broke out in the house where she lived and the local police said it was a case of arson. Many of the locals attribute it to the exorcism case.
1: There's no way of knowing. Right. Um, the, this, all right, the other day, uh, Merlin and I were talking about this um, the there's a movie that was put out that was based off this true story and it was the exorcism of Emily Rose and it was based off this right um, the uh, there's so much information on this but there's not a lot of details which is kind of crazy and as far as the church getting involved that goes back to what we were talking earlier in the first episode unless it's majorly severe they're not going to get involved right um now This case happened in the 70s. Now, there was another case of possession that took place in the 70s as well. Actually, the 30s, 70s? 70s. Uh, The first
0: ever exorcism was in the 40s.
1: Okay, in the 40s. And you want to tell them who that was?
0: Uh. That was um, Ronnie Doe aka uh, Ronald Hunkler. Mm -hmm. He was born in 1935 to a Lutheran mother and a Catholic father in Cottage City, Maryland. At the age of 14, Ronald was introduced to the Ouija board by his aunt Tilly. Also, a direct correlation between Ronald's possession and the Ouija board is never, was never made. It was believed that the ghost of Aunt Tilly was one of the first spirits to visit Roland. It wasn't long before his friendly spirit turned sinister. The family first noticed angry voices and sound of furniture moving across the room. And not long afterwards, they began seeing claw marks on Ronald's body. So that, that year, the family traveled to St. Louis, Missouri, believing that getting away from their home might end their troubles.
1: Um, while in St. Louis, they noticed no change in Ron's behavior. The family enlisted the help of Father Bishop, a Roman Catholic priest, teaching at St. Louis University. According to his diary, when Father Bishop entered the home, He found Ronald laying on his bed perfectly still as the bed shook underneath him. The bed ceased moving once Father Bishop sprayed holy water on the boy. However, Ronald quickly began experiencing sharp pains in his stomach. His mother pulled back the covers to reveal a series of scratches all over his midsection.
0: Two days later, Father Bishop returned with Father Mm -hmm. Bowdern from St. Francis Xavier College Church not long after entering the room and finding Ronald asleep a body of holy water was thrown across the room by an unseen force a body did I say say a body? yeah a A bottle of holy water was thrown across the room Um, five minutes later a bookcase moved across the room and a few days later, St. Louis Archbishop Joseph Ritter gave the permission to carry out the exorcism. During the course of the next several days, the priest's prayers were met with violent actions and profanities, all emanating from the demonic presence they believe infected the boy. After a week of what must have been an incredibly stressful experience for Ronald, the family and priests agreed to take him to a psychiatric ward at Alexan Brothers Hospital. Once there, the rites of exorcisms continued. Then on Monday, April 18th, the day after Easter, the evil spirit made one last violent attempt at remaining inside Ronald Ronald before finally being expelled forever.
1: Uh... 24 years after Ron's ordeal, William Peter Blatney penned his novel, The Exorcist. And that is the story behind The Exorcist, um, is this little boy. Everybody heard it was a little boy, and now you know. Um, Although heavily influenced by the actual events of Ronald, Blatney did not make a few... Blatney did make a few changes to divert attention from Ronald. Changing the subject of the exorcism to a 12-year-old girl, and sitting in Washington D.C. neighborhood of Georgetown, whether you believe Ronald was possessed or not, or just a disturbed young boy, the exorcism and the events that inspired the book and film have impacted society. Uh, uh, however, this uh, this is a uh, Where am I at? Uh, After a number of... uh, Let's see here. The film created an entire subgenre of religious horror that is still popular today. As far as the number of exorcisms performed in the U.S. since the film's release of the book, some say the number has gone from 10 to 15 a year to 10 to 15 a week. However, this number is based off reports from so-called professional exorcists and some reportedly unscrupulous con owners uh town mental illness as demonic possession now there is another one that links to this and is the case of the entity um it's based off of a woman who I believe lived in Texas um who was uh, being attacked? Um, let's see here. Get you some more in
0: Doris Bither.
1: Yeah, Doris Bither. Um, she uh. She she had a uh, she had three uh, she had uh, three boys and a girl by different uh, fathers, which that doesn't matter. Um, but in this one house that they lived in, Doris had uh, started being attacked by an unseen entity. Even the kids noticed it. And she actually went to get help, and a lot of people thought that she was just crazy and everything. Um, She uh, was, uh, let's see here, let's get some information. one of her kids was actually tossed around the room, which caused him to get his arm broke. Um, The paranormal um, group that she reached out to... um, She
0: met met him or something at a bookstore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, She told them what was going on, and some of them couldn't believe what was going on, because there were certain things that was happening that they could—they've never heard of happening, like physical attacks. Um, she said that she was um, sexually attacked by this entity, and I
0: said it was like three, didn't it?
1: Yeah, but there was three different ones. Um, the uh, the paranormal group didn't believe her, so they actually she actually showed them the bruises that were on her and, you know, where she had been attacked. Um, Also, her neighbors testified to seeing things moving around the house when nobody was there. Um, Even her kids started kind of naming the entity, Mr. Who is it? Um, Now, there is a awesome photograph which we will put on our YouTube uh, version of this that actually shows the entity going over her head during a uh, uh, investigation when they were sitting there talking and taking photographs and everything. Uh, They were saying that uh, lights were manifesting all over the room a green mist in a corner star glowing making a form of a torso of a person uh, mm-hmm. she uh, she uh, eventually f- decided to uh, they found out that uh, kind of jumping all over the place here <laughs> during during the interview uh, the family or the inve- the investigators found out that it, it lashed out more in certain songs uh, heavy metal kind of stuff Black Sabbath and all that yeah made it more aggressive um, and whenever she was by herself it was even worse um Doris and her family finally left the house but whatever it was followed her and to this day they say that uh, she's that it followed her and that some of it still happened but she's in her 80s now and nobody's heard anything about her anymore right. so she's kind of died out of the, the light um uh, Said uh, her son, however, did come forth with an interview in 2009, in which uh, the world f- uh, found out that she passed away from pulmonary arrest in 1995. And she uh, she even claimed that go back up for a second that she became pregnant due to a rape, but medical tests showed that she was suffering from a, a ectopic pregnancy. What is that?
0: Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's where it's outside the womb. Okay. How is that possible? It's possible. No, I'm saying how is that possible? I'm not sure. Um, okay. I'm not a medical expert.
1: <laughs> that, that was just a little bit of kind of rambling slash information on another possession um and they made a book about that it's called The Entity
0: did they not make a movie about
1: it? yeah it's called The Entity
0: um
1: a condition where fertilized egg attaches outside the uterus it's rare fewer than 200 cases per year in the U.S. uh Commenting for ages 18 to 35 and Merle actually has one about possession that he's fixing to talk about which is awesome and which one is that one
0: uh, the I not how it's pronounced Amon's Haunting okay it's, uh, it's actually from my home state. Um, it's called the Amon's Haunting Case. It's also known as the 200 Demons House. Wow. Um, it took place in Gary, Indiana uh, in 2011. So, I mean, this is pretty recent. Yeah. Uh, in 2000, November 2011, LaToya Amon's her mother, Rosa Campbell, and her three children, ages 7, 9, and 12, uh, moved into a house in, Gar- in Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana. Um, days after they moved in, they claimed black flies swarmed the porch in December.
1: That's crazy.
0: In December in Gary, Indiana. <laughs> I mean, you're right on Lake Michigan. Oh, jeez. So, I mean, you're sub-zero temperatures at that
1: that time of year yeah fly shouldn't even be around
0: no <clears throat> and they kept returning even after the family believed they were killed So like she'd spray him mm-hmm. or whatever and they um, Campbell initially heard footsteps in the basement and doors creaking later she alleged to have witnessed a shadowy figure of a man pacing in the living room okay this is what I was going to talk to in the last episode okay but I ran out of time they consider as far as a lot of people consider shadow figures to be demonic right right? um okay I lost my spot (laughs) okay and found uh yeah they found boot print um Campbell claims she was choked by an unseen force so this is the mother right um her, the 12-year-old daughter was claimed to have levitated above her bed, unconscious during a sleepover, with a friend. They were said to have prayed until the girl returned to the bed. The daughter had no memory of the incident. The older sons were allegedly thrown across the room by an unknown force.
1: Huh.
0: The younger son allegedly had his eyes roll into the back of his head and was growling, saying, It's time to die, and I will kill you. Jeez. The family reached out to their physician. Um, I'm not even going to
1: pronounce that. Just say Joffrey.
0: Joffrey? On you? you we, uh, yeah, I
1: couldn't pronounce On it.
0: April 19, 2012, when he visited the house during the supposed haunted, he noted, that, noted their behavior was delusional. Someone from his office contacted police after the police arrived the children were taken to the hospital the older boy was described as acting rationally while the younger boy screamed and thrashed in 2012 the department of child services was alerted to the family Uh, child services believed that the child were performing for their mother sensational stories published in outlets such as new york daily news uh, report that DCS personnel had allegedly witnessed the youngest boy walking up the wall backwards. Mm-hmm. I, um, 37-year-old police captain Charles Austin believed paranormal activity occurred in the house. A photo published by Indianapolis Star claimed to show a shadowy figure when no one was at home. The family hired father of Michael Miconet? to perform an exorcism. He interviewed the family on April 22, 2012, and concluded they were, they were being tormented by demons. He eventually performed three exorcisms, two in English and one in Latin. One exorcism was performed on uh, the mother, LaToya. The Amons family moved to Indianapolis in 2012, after which events were said to have stopped.
1: Now, didn't someone famous buy this house?
0: Yes, this house was actually purchased by Zach Baggins. Okay. From, uh, it was Ghost Adventures mm-hmm. uh, in 2014.
1: That's uh, a crazy amount to pay for a house. That is cheap.
0: Well, he paid $35,000 for this house. Right. How, I, But this area of Gary, it's... That's probably... It's still probably on the cheap side, but it's in that lower price range. Okay. Um, And he bought it and then they demolished it two years, well, yeah, about two years later after filming a documentary in it, they titled Demon House. And that was released in March of 2018. Um. I've had... There's been several documentaries about this.
1: Um, I actually saw the the episode, The Demon House. uh I actually saw that. And some of it is kind of questionable about what happened when he stayed in it by himself. So... I also know that he actually, in a lot of, a lot of the cast, in, of uh, or a lot of the crew. I'm not gonna say cast, but a lot of the crew and some of his friends um, that were there helping out film that episode. Right. After the house was demolished, he actually kept one or two five-gallon buckets of the dirt and debris from that house and carried it back to Los Angeles with him. Uh, not in Los Angeles, but Vegas, where he lives. Where he's
0: got his museum.
1: It's actually, no, it's not even in this museum. It's actually in a storage building. Huh. Um, and even Zach, at the end of the documentary, showed him at the storage building, throwing up the uh, door, popping the top off the five-gallon bucket, and had his hands in the dirt. And he was like, I just can't let go of it. So. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a little something connected to it. Yeah. And Zach Baggins, there's a lot of speculation that he's had a uh, demonic attachment. But that's hearsay. Nobody knows. Right. So, who knows? But there's what three cases yeah three is that three or four
0: that was four
1: four cases
0: so we had Annalise Michael um, the entity was there only three? Oh no, no the uh, true story behind the
1: exorcist yeah true story behind the exorcist the entity Annalise. and this one so that's four right so that's four cases of possession right and different different mm-hmm. types because you've got a house you got a person well you got three houses two houses two houses and two people right um, as far as possession so that's the different types that we were talking about so what are we looking at as far as time over um, we're fixing to come up on 50 minutes 50 minutes already yep Wow. Alright, well that is I guess the end of that one, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean it goes well,
0: fast. It does.
1: Yeah. Alright, so we are gonna end this episode, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um that's all I've got. That's it for part two of possession. <laughs> so if you had
0: I guess kind of late to say it now, but if you hadn't listened to part one, I guess you still go back and listen to it, because yeah. it gives more of the
1: definitions,
0: definitions and background behind yeah. it, uh, mm-hmm. demon
1: possession. But, yeah, don't jump to the end of the thing. Go to the beginning. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Otherwise, you're going to be lost. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, so that's all I've got for this episode.
1: Yep. You good? I'm good, man. All right, so. Go ahead and douse myself in some holy water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so we're going to go ahead and end it there. So, I'm Merle. I'm Larry. See you on the other side.